presenting you with uh, Captain Mike Mo O'Leary from the Chief of Naval Operations Office, Digital Transformation Office. And today we're going to be talking about how do you conduct digital transformation, especially in large scale organizations like the Department of the Navy. And so we're going to dive into a little bit of a background on some of the work that Mike has done and then also offer some of his insights into how to do this uh, from his from his experiences, his lessons learned, how do you do this in other DoD organizations um, and agencies as well? So, Mike, thank you for joining us today. Alex, thank you for having me today. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, share the story of, of where we are and uh, things we've learned along the way, um, especially since I'm going to be departing the pattern here soon. It's always great to try to share and uh, things I learned the hard way numerous times. A typical aviator can't learn the right way the first time. Got to learn the hard way numerous times uh, as we go forward. And Alex is laughing because Alex is a fellow aviator. So uh, as we go forward. But um, before I, I jump into some of the things we're doing, Alex, I just kind of give a little background about my passion about a lot of the work we're doing. Uh, sure. I had several tours before, uh, career aviator, command of the squadron, command and installation. Um, but my passion for this work comes from my time in non-flying jobs or non-command jobs. Uh, first one was I was working at the Joint Warfare Analysis Center, got sent forward to Afghanistan. And my job was to, uh, to use the office space reference, talk to the customers so the engineers didn't have to. But really what I was doing, I, you know, I was briefing the likes of Brigadier General Milley, Brigadier General McConville, when they were the DCGO and DCGS for uh, 101st Airborne in Afghanistan. <laughs> and they're now four stars and I'm just a captain. So if that tells you anything about my career. But uh, <laughs> part of my job was going around and trying to get data out of these enclave. They're on hard drives, they're on share drives. Uh, SharePoint was still kind of new back then. So it, it was just a challenge. And I literally, went around Afghanistan to get data to load up into JWAC's portal to send back so the, the, the analysts could do their job. Because you can't do analytics, you can't come up with ways to do things better without data. And so that was my first, first real eye-opener of how bad our data situation was in the DOD. And there's probably a bunch of people out there who are on our camera probably shaking their heads like, yep, yep, I know that pain. Um, my next foray into that was uh, post-squadron command. I went to work for Admiral Van, Admiral Van Buskirk when he was the Chief of Navy Personnel. I was at his N1Z, and we had this big tasker come down from then CNO Greenert saying, hey, I want to start getting after this health of the force thing, and I want you to prevent it at Nefosis in like four months. So we had four months to try to pull this thing together that turned into this battle rhythm of reports. It would take me three months just to get data predominantly from people who work for Admiral Van Buskirk <laughs> and some externally. So just the battle of trying to keep track of all the data, how do you normalize it? How do you present it? Uh, big passion of mine. And, and it's, it was the first attempt I saw in the Navy trying to get, you know, that I personally saw in the Navy of trying to use data to try to inform our policies and our decision-making and our budget processes, as well as testimony to Congress and things of that nature. So uh, a little bit of a passion project, getting to come to the Digital Transformation Office, working under Dr. Uh, O'Connell, and uh, try to get after some of these things. 
So where where we are with ServiceNow, to kind of tell the bigger story about the transformation, and I'll kind of focus in on some of the lessons learned for our intersection with you guys uh, coming through here. At the time, uh, we were trying to work a horizontal integration across the enterprise, uh, doing a digital inventory of all the activities across DOD, or excuse me, Department of the Navy, or the service of the Navy, sorry. I keep uh, expanding it out. By the time I finish this job, I'll say we, we solved world hunger. But um, we, uh, we were trying to do that uh, as we came across, as well as do educational materials and other sorts of things, and trying to enable people to do some quick wins. Uh, and when you say quick wins, you're really talking about more the mission owner side of the house, because I think a lot of times people think digital transformation, these major monumental efforts that are taking place at the PEOs and syscoms of the world, but you're talking about the mission owner space where largely, you know, to your experiences were not in those, they were in the mission space and trying to transform how some of the work is done there, right? Absolutely. And there was work at the larger efforts too, because again, initially there was a big, trying to take it all off, fight it all off at once. And, um, and while we were doing that, the CNO's navigation plan came out in 2021. And the vice chief said, hey, Doc O'Connell, I want your guys to dive hard into that. So we, giving our bandwidth, we had to abandon some of these larger horizontal integration efforts. And really what it turned into was that larger top-down sort of approach turned into us taking on certain navigation plan objectives and making those pilots into enterprise analytics and trying to get after, along with all our partners. So this isn't just DTO doing this alone. We're working with all the PEOs. We're working with a lot of different shops, a lot of different people to kind of get after that. But something that I found lacking, based upon a promise that Doc O'Connell made to the Chaplain Corps before I even joined DTO, um, to help them get out of their on-prem SharePoint solution, um, that they were trying to use and predominantly to show the efficacy of the Chaplain program. Because I don't know how familiar one is. Every three to five years, the question goes, why do we have chaplains? Why do chaplains exist? What, what value do they add when we're in a constrained budget environment? Why are we paying for chaplains and all the chaplaincy work when we could use those money and that those, those end state, those end strength numbers to do more war fighting or more supply or more supporting efforts? Um, so they came to Doc O'Connell said, hey, we need help. So while, while they, we were trying to figure out where to get them, uh, simultaneously we were helping uh, the watch floor, the Pentagon watch floor, N35 watch floor, the battle watch captain, do COVID reporting. And they were doing that all via naval message traffic. And um, we, <laughs> we used what we had available. And, and when I say we, I mean, I had a team of people. I had Dave Carroll on my team, uh, several other people. Now I have Travis Swiatoka who were, respectively my technical directors because uh if people haven't figured it out yet not a technical guy um knuckle dragger aviator uh understands the power of data understands how to help people do analytics but i don't do the analytics not not this guy um, technical enough to be dangerous yes i'm like a kid with a stick of dynamite and a match let me go and that's kind of why i like to call myself a digital insurgent because we were running into issues of trying to get the chaplaincy out of the model of how they were working. 
So they were they put requirements out. They threw some money at it. They got an on-prem share, SharePoint solution hosted under CNIC's G2. Um, and it, quite frankly, it wasn't a great solution. Um, it was what they had available at the time, and it was very challenging for them. Although, going back to before I dive completely into this, uh, our COVID tracker for the Pentagon watch floor, we use the uh, SecNav portal, which is on-prem SharePoint, uh, <laughs> to help it out. And there we saved over a thousand personnel hours a day across the Navy to help reduce that just because we could actually bring things in. We could, it could be normalized and standardized and much cleaner on the input. So the number of hours you spend just trying to get after clean, resolve issues was now spent on how do we visualize it better? How do we tell the story better? And so we reduced those hours and we enabled better decision-making based on what was going on around the Navy. But I share that story only because when we start talking about what the what we did for the chaplains and the value of bringing them into a low code uh, software as a service solution is very much similar in that we're trying to improve analytics, trying to make getting data easier, trying to spend more time making decisions on the data rather than finding and analyzing the data. So that's where that's where my journey begins with the insurgency. We were having issues of getting the chaplains into something that was going to solve all of their pain points. Um, the latency of entering the data ashore was incredibly long. The, um, the ability to do it afloat was almost non-existent. Just because of the latency issues ashore, you're not going to have the you're not going to have the bandwidth afloat. Uh, as well as it's tri-service, it's Navy, Marine Corps, and Coast Guard. So we couldn't do just a Navy only solution because we had to be able to deploy this across multiple services in multiple ways. So going into a cloud native tenant and with a low code application, software as a service. So we're not managing anything. We're consuming. We don't want the chaplains worrying about how many servers do I have? When do I need to be updated? And all the rest of the tech stack. We just push that stuff away. And honestly, it's what industry is doing too. Everyone's understanding the value of buying commodities from people who, who are experts in it. That's the whole point, is to leverage people who do this for a living. They do it at scale, and they do it exceptionally well, and it drives down your costs. So no longer are you paying people, paying for infrastructure, all those other things. You're just consuming, and you're paying them, and they're managing it at, the, at this big hyperscale level so that the cost to you is actually less money than it would be if you did it yourself. So hence why we kind of went into different solutions. So we, we looked around, we came up with that. And um, so what we came to was ServiceNow. One of the other criteria I had besides being modern and unlocking all this future potential that I'll get into was I needed to already be ATO'd. I didn't want to run through the 650 things you have to go through to get an authority to operate on the DOD system. Not interested in that at all. And uh, thankfully, ServiceNow has their low-code app engine. They were ATO'd in aisle four with an aisle two enclave, meeting a lot of my tick marks. And uh, we can also do mobile and bring your own device, which, again, makes a lot of sense for a lot of things. So now we're unlocking all the potential, solving a lot of the problems and latency issues. Uh, now we have things that can operate in a DDL environment, i.e. like your normal cell phone. You can type a text or an email, and then when you get connectivity, it sends. 
um, that sort of that sort of mentality. I can capture the information in a stateful way, and then when I get connected, it'll push it all up. So that's kind of how we came to be. Uh, the chaplains came to us in terms of finding the right right project again, and this is all the things we're doing in DTO are all basically pilots. They're all do a little bit, figure out how it works, do it small, and then how do we figure out how to scale this? And then we're turning this over to PEOLB's Innovation Solution Services that uh, they stood up almost a year ago. They got funding this fiscal year and they're starting to take on a lot of these projects and are actually starting to see the value of what we did with the chaplains for other folks like the NAVIG and potentially JAG Corps and some other folks that are coming in who have similar pain points, similar processes they want to modernize as they come across. So I hit on a few of the other uh, pain points for the chaplains. And one of the reasons, one of the things you may want to consider when you're doing your own is, okay, the chaplains are going around, they're talking about how long they provided this service and this other service, but something that's of value to the enterprise writ large that's been stuck in ensconced inside on-prem SharePoint uh, and not exposed to the larger enterprise was resiliency data. They're talking with sailors, Marines, and Coast Guardmen every day. There's 1,600 chaplains and RPs across the three services every day out talking with service members about destructive behaviors, suicide-related behaviors, drinking, drugs, domestic violence, those sorts of things. And we're not giving that data over to OpNav N17, OpNav N83, the Osri team out of the Surface Action uh, Group that they were trying to figure out how destructive behaviors were contributory towards those two collisions out in Seventh Fleet years before. So I'm like, man, wouldn't it be great if we got these guys, the, the chaplain corps, and you know all the chaplains and RPs across all the services to be able to add value into this, so they can not only can they do their own analytics in terms of, hey, this is the service we provided, here's where it is. Now they're adding value in other ways to provide that data up to the enterprise for the enterprise to take advantage as it comes across. Mm -hmm. We haven't got to that point yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> and for those who don't know, uh, the Navy's enterprise uh, platform is Jupiter which is a subset of Advana. I have to get my pitch in for, for the Jupiter team and, and uh, Don CAO and Don CDO who, who own the platform. Um, and so Jupiter is a Navy subset of, of Advana. And uh, currently Advana is backbone in Amazon Web Services. So it's completely cloud native. They migrated everything up into the cloud, back to the cloud performance and taking advantage of cloud level services uh, as we come across. So. That opened up a few of our um, opportunities. So what we wound up doing is we, we got a tenant. Uh, Dave Carroll was authorized to uh, sign on behalf of the Navy because he's a IP officer in the reserves. And um, he, was, uh, he was able to get us an OpNav tenant. So we were messing around in there, trying to figure out what we could do. We're like, you know what we should do? Let's just demonstrate what we can do with the chaplain corps, the chaplains and RPs, let's do a hackathon. Let's bring them in for a week and let them build their own app. Show people that the bar to be able to build your own app and maintain your old app is lowered. You know, 
So instead of like before where you pay a bunch of money a year or two years later, something comes back and you're like, great. I don't know. This isn't close to what I want. We actually have the citizen developers developing their own processes. The people who work these processes every day, who know the information, who know the environment are the ones developing the code via the app. When I say code, they're not writing code. It's, it's very low code, drag and drop table matches. All the back end stuff happens magically. Um, predominantly. And I'll, I'll talk about some of the constraints as we go forward for lessons learned as we go forward. Yep. But um, so we did that. So in late August, Naval X hosted us, uh, let us come in. We had 30 chaplains and RPs that they picked. Um, one of the big things I would say any project you do is have a champion from the mission set. Um, obviously, I'm a champion for the Navy um amongst a lot of other people who are very interested in making this happen so we're getting a lot of support from po digital and mlb in these scenarios uh as well as other people so this isn't uh this isn't just dto running completely amok although i do like to call us a digital insurgents because quite frankly i didn't really have permission from my boss to do this and um so i just did it figuring hey i'm not a technical guy if it doesn't work if it fails he can just say that guy's an idiot um <laughs> plausible, plausible deniability right exactly i'm like what's to lose what are you gonna do shave my head make me retire as a captain of the navy sure what there's not much they can really do to me at this point so uh and mo's off camera right now so if you don't know he's uh his his hair is different than mine <laughs> i am follically challenged yes follically um, <laughs> but the um so we did that and they, at the end of the week, really, we spent the first half of the week just getting a bunch of people familiar with the platform. ServiceNow brought in a team to help facilitate the entire week. Um, and a great job with that. Just very well led, very uh, professorial, uh, very teacher. Uh, sometimes he talked at the collegiate level and sometimes he talked at the kindergarten level for people like me to understand. Uh, and it was great. It worked out really, really well uh, as we did that. And we had we had everyone every week. We brought in food. They everything was kind of catered. So we had people captured for an entire week away from their things. We didn't do uniforms. We just said, hey, everyone's here to be a teammate. All the things you normally do to try to lower the bar and in, inhibitors of people who want to add value to a process. We had we had our junior enlisted RPs all the way up to captains. So they really started developing the app about mid-afternoon on Wednesday. And then, then Friday afternoon, 48 hours later, they demoed a mobile and web-based, cloud-based via the web solution to Admiral Todd, who's now the chief of chaplains, or yeah, he's the chief of chaplains now. Uh, Mr. James Moser from N83 and Doc O'Connell, my, my boss, uh, on what they did in a week. And they showed how they can enter data in a very easy way, very stateful way. Um, it's much more intuitive. You can do it on your phone with your thumb. Because before, what they were doing was every Friday, they said, thou shall report. And it would take them hours to enter all this data. It would hang up. You'd have to go back. It was just not a great system. Now, you have a system where you can enter as you go. And then we created, post the beta, a validation workflow. So that the chaplains know that on that Friday, the person who enters it, can go through and start this workflow inside ServiceNow, look at all their entries, validate them, say, I'm good, hit a button. It goes up to their next supervisor for them to go, oh, good. Look what they put in. I like all that. 
that those numbers look right, validate. So now you have a, a, a chalk line snap of when the data has been validated, it provides additional oversight from their supervisor to the subordinate chaplains and RPs to say, you put your data in. So it's increasing the, the visibility of the chain of command. It's improving the data quality, which is their other problems, because on a good week, and this comes from the chaplains, I said, how, how many people actually report on a good week? And they said about 50%. Yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness, because the app was so hard to use or you couldn't use it when you're deployed. So think about all the stresses of all the people who are having all these issues deployed and we're not capturing that data. Awful. And you look at to their ultimate goal is to validate that they have the right people with the right skill sets in the right areas of the Navy to right. provide services that they need. And when you're getting 50 percent reporting and of that, the data may not even be. 100% accurate out of that 50, right? Then how can you make informed decisions about it down the road? Exactly. And they said on, on the best week they ever they have is 50% of the people report. And I said, well, of those 50%, how many are doing just enough to not get yelled at? And they said <laughs> about half. So on a good week, they're maybe getting 25% good data, which you cannot really use for enterprise analytics. It's just not, it's just not a high enough representation to say what I'm doing is valid across the enterprise. Um, so that was another thing that allowed us to do. We, you can enter data as you go. You're not just stuck to reporting it once. So if you got five minutes, you can enter your data from your previous thing. Oh, by the way, I failed to mention this because people are probably going to ask. We're doing this aisle two because the chaplains don't capture any PII at all on the people they talk with. It's very anonymized. So it's like a mail E5 from this command. I talked to that person about XYZ. And that's as deep as it goes. It's very much like a mishap report or any other kind of naval message we send out where we're saying something happened to somebody, but it's all anonymized. Mm -hmm. So it's very similar uh, as you go across. So we're able to do bring your own device and all these other sorts of features into this solution. So pretty excited about that. But here's the opportunities that it opens up besides that. All right. The... Now that we're in a cloud native platform, we can do what's called blue green. I like to call it blue gold. You have a dev environment where you can make your next, you can make all your changes and whatnot that's not affecting your production site. So the production site is what you see when you go to, when you go to your web browser, your mobile, you go through, you, and this is where you're collecting your data and things like that. Meanwhile, over here, you could be building your next version of your app doing all your updates, your bug smashes, all those other things. Oh, by the way, after the hackathon, the person who was doing all that work was a Navy captain chaplain who has no IT background, no coding background at all. So he was built, he was smashing his own bugs with a small team of people yep. working through that development uh, environment. So it starts opening up the opportunity for agile ops. You can update your app more often because no longer do you need a team of professional coders for everything you need to do. That's not to say you don't need some form of pro dev, you do. And that'll be, when I get to the lessons learned, I'll hit that again. Yeah. Um, there are things that are too hard to do because certain functionalities are, that are not completely out of the box or just difficult to understand if you do it wrong, you could really mess things up. You do need some pro dev support. But again, instead of needing 100% pro dev support, you can really lower it down to where I just buy support hours 
and not have a full-time dedicated person on my staff who does this work. I can just pull them in as I need to, to do certain things and work. So now I can have my system queue up. Oh, by the way, the nice thing about ServiceNow and other platforms too, but ServiceNow, since we're talking about ServiceNow and the chat app or the RMTAT, sorry, I keep calling it chat app. That's just my, my nickname for it. <laughs> it. It rings, it's catching it, people it what you're talking about. Like you got to do branding, right? But right. Um, you can capture all those all those bug things inside the app itself, inside the platform itself, and have all that stuff queued up of all the things, the change requests, the bug things can all be queued up for you to help facilitate to do your to do your quarter review boards or six month review boards, whatever you want to do as you go through your through your list of all the things you want to fix on the next release. So as you're working through and going through and you validate and knock all those things off. Further, also built in the platform because my concern was going forward, when people start rolling out of jobs, we have a knowledge management section in there. So we can put how-to videos. We can put to how do you, if you're the, the person in charge of the app, how does that person do their job? We can capture all of that within the platform. So again, it's not stuck on some share drive or some other place, it is built within the app itself. And you can sit there and do all those things as we come across. So that's some of the some of the big things uh, coming across there that I really was excited about. And also that it's cloud, we haven't built the endpoints yet. I'm still waiting for some other things to mature before we start unlocking data to go into Ju to make it available to Jupyter, expose it to Jupyter, I should say. Because um, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of replicating data for the sake of replicating data. Exposing it to another environment, and it's something the Navy writ large is working on. Uh, PEOMLB is working on a common API environment that'll build that data catalog that'll enable people to go, not just at the enterprise, but if you're working in your own environment, you could theoretically pull in data from other portions of uh, mission logistics and business systems. Uh, by the way, that's what MLB stands for, for those who don't know. Uh, it's a, I'm sorry, manpower logistics business systems. You yeah. could theoretically have those things exposed to you where you could work with your own native environment. Um, you know, if you do the standard, I just need to know about descriptive and maybe diagnostic things down to my level. And then at the enterprise levels where you start getting predictive and prescriptive. Um, because when you start doing that, you have to expose your data to other data to really start getting after those sorts of things. Uh, you need structured and unstructured to really get to prescriptive. You need to have all those things come together to get to that. But that's not what the chaplains really wanted, but that's the value to the enterprise and the value to the chaplains is now they have an agile platform that they can predominantly maintain themselves. They have a lot more control and, and say over what's in there. And one of the other opportunities is the other way around. Now that we're, when we get to the end state where the chaplains have their data exposed to Jupiter, and the OpNav N17s, the Osri team, the N83 team is out doing their destructive behaviors analytics. And they go, wouldn't it be great if they could, while they're talking with sailors, Marines, and Coast Guardmen, if they could ask this question a different way, or if they could add a question to that, they can make that request back down to the, the business unit, the small business unit of the Navy, the chaplains, and say, would you consider adding this because this is the value to the enterprise? So it, when you talk to sailors, could you add that? And they would go through their thing, run things up to Admiral Todd to get his blessing. Sorry, pun not intended there. I apologize. Um, I can't. I can't help myself sometimes. Um, and then and then incorporate that at a future build. 
as they go through with their as they come through their system there. And of course, the nice thing again about the blue and green or the blue and gold things is you can do that stuff offline in your dev environment, run it, test it, make sure it's good, kick it over to go into production. And then again, because they don't manage it, PO Digital actually manages the tenant for them. They can make sure from a security and, and, and all the other uh, sorts of things that it gets put into the production environment and it's safe. It's not going to be, it's not going to break the system and it's not going to violate any of the other things that it currently has. So yeah. that's kind of the, um, the big overview that took 30 minutes. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, that was great. And I think you, you really touched on a few key things, which is you really need to have buy-in. Um, it's got to be, you know, from leadership and from the mission owner. If, if you're creating an app, if they're, if they're creating their app, they're going to have buy-in. They're going to want to see it through effectively and in a way that that satisfies the needs that they have. Um, and then having that buy-in from the leadership to understand how does this support the bigger picture? I mean, I, I think you had the vision early on, but not the rest of the organization around how does this data feed into Jupiter and the types of things that goes there, but also like it's lending itself to service now on ships, which opens up a whole nother window of things that the Navy can do. I, it, it's being agile in this way allows a lot of other things that kind of other doors to present themselves. And then all it, all it is is just a matter of opening it and walking through it. Um, but there's also, you know, the importance of, of understanding the technology. You know, if it's a three-legged stool, it's like you got to have the mission owners. You got to have the, uh, an understanding of the technologies that are out there and available. And in some ways, that's, to your point, being... Uh, just techno, uh, technologically savvy enough to be dangerous and also knowing who in the ecosystem is doing what. It was important that PEO Digital was a part of this because they were the, they were not, if you hadn't had that connection with Travis and, and the folks back at PEO, it would have been a lot harder to pull off. But so it's a networking thing, a personal networking thing, as much as it is a technology thing. Um, and then lastly is the, is the, the industry side of it, having the right industry partners um, do those types of things. So as a follow on set of questions, kind of get into the meat of how do we help others do this? First thing I have for you is at other agencies and even the Navy itself looking at how do we repeat this? First, you need to find that right mission owner. What are the recommendations you have for pinpointing who's the right mission owner to work with on a digital insurgency like this one? So it, it, he can start small, right? And uh, you look for those easy, low-hanging fruit things. Look for, because um, most people think digital transformation is just IT, and you just take your current process and you just move it over, and now it's just digital. You're like, you have an opportunity to really modernize how you do things. So that, that's where I would recommend looking first is who's in an, a legacy platform with things that are easily automated? How do I use workflows and APIs and microservices, basically where I connect a bunch of different things via API to work together to reduce your man hour, personnel hours, um, improve data quality, um, things of that nature. And normally you want to start with a small group because it's easier to get the buy-in from a smaller group. It's not as cost uh, intensive to do it. Um, and if it doesn't work for whatever reason, um, because that's the other thing we didn't really get to what I wanted to do in the Navy was have a 
um, if, if I were to have full reins, if I was in another organization where they said, hey, Michael Larry, we're going to give you money. How would you do this? How would you bring all of these small business units from this bottom up effort, this digital insurgency where I'm transforming village to village and eventually it becomes this larger uh, where people are lining up to join the team? And I have mm -hmm. more people lined up than I can handle, which is the goal. If I had incubation space, I would have brought them in, taught, helped them walk through the process, teach them how to do their governance, teach them how to program and do these things, teach them how their curiosity for coming through and making major upgrades rather than just small bug fixes come through as go through that. So I would look for ones that fit whatever platform I'm using. Um, and again, workflows are incredible. Uh, think about your staffing packages. Why do we still print things out and walk them around for wet signatures? Right. We have the ability to digitally sign things. Again, and that's Adobe, right? We can have Adobe plugged into certain things with the appropriate level to do those things. That's not inherent in ServiceNow or other platforms. That's another service that comes in to enable your job. Um, as you come across there, we use a multi different services all day. We use identity from the Navy and other sorts of things to say, this is me doing these things here uh, as we come across here. So none of these things is ever going to be that. And one of the other things is what's going to give me the best ROI or ROE return on effort um, as we come across because you're never going to win the day if your solution costs more. Uh, and that was one of the other things that ServiceNow was a great partner with is I need to show how this is cheaper than them doing on-prem SharePoint. So I increased their capability, increased their data quality, opened up all these opportunities. Oh, by the way, it costs a lot less. And the, the number of personnel hours just doing the reporting has gone way down. Data quality has gone up. We now have analytic capability and man, we're, we're off to the races. So that's where I would start looking is looking for those, those things that are very easy, things that are very manually intensive right now, or just laborious to do uh, repetitive processes, uh, things of that nature is where I would look, look for small ones, prove that those people who are in those business units, cause you, that's the other thing is you don't want to alienate people and make them fear for their jobs. You want to enable people with digital, with the digital capability to do their jobs better. Yeah. So, hey, wouldn't it be great instead of you just spending all this time husbanding and, and doing all these things and moving them along? Wouldn't it be great if you actually got a chance to look at it and say, hey, boss, or hey, whoever, wouldn't it be great if we looked at it this way? And now those, those, those things, and again, this is coming from industry. This is not me inventing this. Industry's already been doing this. They've already enabled citizen developers to go out because those business units are doing it themselves. They're improving their app. So if you're in sales, the salespeople, they're increasing your thing as they come across there. Getting off of old-prem old, old, old servers is another opportunity. Is there something that's an honest server that you have to maintain that you can move over to a cloud-based system? And I think, was it five and a half times reduction in some, like I think, Netflix or something like that. So, <laughs> like a, a huge reduction when they went to full cloud yeah. in terms of their cost. Uh, and I think everyone knows what Netflix does. And I realize they have a downturn right now, but you know they were the gold standard of streaming for quite a while. Mm -hmm. uh, and everyone else kind of jumped on board and they were leading in. They figured out how to do it cheaper, faster, better. Um, so that's where I would start. I would look small, try to do a small project, have a, have a plan of in this sprint, we're going to build a, data that does this 
in this next sprint as we come across we're going to add this additional functionality and kind of have a map that goes through there realizing you may run in the, in the into roadblocks but ultimately if we got into what i would recommend if you're capable of standing up your incubation space you bring those projects on you're funding them for a year or two because if you're in our system two years out is about as early as you can if you get people in early enough to tell them the palm for their budget to take mm -hmm. this over at the end of two years so yeah. bring them on let them grow and as they get further along and mature you kind of get some hands off mm -hmm. while still providing some level of cognizance and if you have enough space licenses however you you build your incubation space you bring in other projects to grow and develop off of those things and then if they don't work at the end of two years or they don't have the money or whatever reason they just go away industry does this they bring in i think it's 10 to 6 to 1 is uh 10 come in six go to mvp and one actually gets to actually de deploy yeah we, we can't do that in dod or any other government agency we probably have to a little bit better um <laughs> Uh, maybe not one for one, but bring in three and do two um, to, to full deployment. Sort of. And thing. I think key so, to that too is the we had really good success because they were engaged. I mean, the number of people that they brought who had no technical background. Now they did. They brought some uh, IP, you know, sailors who who could. Uh, you know, had the technical acumen to do it, but a lot of I them were DNS to provide those to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And but they had the buy in. They were committed. A lot of digital transformations fail because really people just aren't committed. They're not in it for the long haul. And the Chaplain Corps, I mean, they showed up and from day one, they were they were involved. They were in it and they're still continuing to be a part of it, which is really, really awesome. And then to, I think you one of your questions in there, too, was, you know, who should I work with? Um, again, for this sort of uh, scape, um, if you're in the Navy, you go right to Innovation Solution Services under MLB. That's who you go to. If you're Navy Marine Corps, they are the people you go to. I had a draft of a playbook I gave to them. Um, they're going to be able to do it because they're funded. And um one of the biggest enemies is bureaucracy. So they're straddling between the legacy way of doing business and this new way of doing business. And they're still, we're still figuring that out as they go through and as they bring in more projects, they'll continue to do that. But the, um, we can't get away from the bureaucratic way of doing business because of our palm processes, because of the way we consume and buy things. There needs to be some kind of a change in my opinion I have no control over it. I don't think anyone on this call, unfortunately, has control over how we consume and buy things. And if you do, please change it. Make it easier. Um, <laughs> if if I had my way, I would have service now for the Navy. And mm -hmm. as I bring people on, they just buy into my overall tenant. So instead of this group buying service now, this group buying service now, this group buying service now, we buy it once. And we as we bring people on, they buy into the same um, environment uh, and they just, we just add more licenses. So we start I, getting economy of scale. I think and, that's a, a huge- And you wanna work with someone who will do that with you, over, sorry. Oh, no, no, that's great. And I think there is an element to this that we don't ever talk, touch on really, which is going back to PEO Digital and sort of how they're doing this that I don't think a lot of other DOD agencies do, which is, well, a single ATO to rule them all with at least within the confines of service now is GCC. 
having that as a, you know, a central belly button to kind of capture all of the ATO requirements, manage that effort as a single set, really reduces the amount of cost and energy and time to do it. So in, in conjunction with what you're talking about, sort of like this enterprise level um, agreement of, of services and being able to just onboard customers as they come on, another part of that is having a single ATO. There's there's pros and cons, and, and there's definitely lessons to be learned, but I think from a efficiency standpoint, it's a much better approach than everybody trying to go out and get their own individual ATOs to manage it all. Um, yeah, turning so, to the hackathon. Yeah, it's a hackathon. So, so one of the big lessons learned I alluded to on that yeah. one was if I could if I could go back in time and from what I've learned since then, um, we were trying to get some pro dev again to my earlier statement about low code isn't no code. You do want some some pros pro dev uh, support as you go through there. Um, we went through a trusted thing. We we're trying to go through ICF, which is a service now. Um, I don't know what you guys call them, a gold partner or. Uh, but you, you can go through whomever. Uh, I'm not trying to advocate for any specific platform. It's not my role. Um, but the uh, we were going to go through ICF. And I would have, if I could have done it, I would have had them on board much prior to the hackathon and definitely right after the hackathon as we continue <laughs> to learn and go through things because uh, Travis Wyatoka, who is my technical director, has been hands-on keyboard doing a lot of Java code uh, to make things happen and doing a lot of um, technical program management as well as sysadmin and other sorts of stuff that we would have the ICF folks doing where he could then just provide more oversight, operational strategic oversight of where things are going, how things are working, uh, rather than me coming in every once in a while like, hey, did you guys think about that? And they're like, uh, because it's, it's easy to get focused in on the task you're doing. And you really do need someone who is kind of has a bit of a vision, a technical program manager, and then someone who can really understand the technicals of how things work inside the platform. Um, so that would be one thing. The other thing I would do is I would send a few people from the group you're going to have come in through training mm -hmm. beforehand. Um, yeah, we ended up spending a few days on the front end of a five-day workshop doing that training, but it, had they come in, we would have been... We would have been right. walking vice crawling at that point. Not only that, then you can have a meeting with them to help shape what you want that hackathon to achieve and what the rest of the plan, because they'll be much more familiar with that. So I would bring in some ringers like I did with the ITs yeah. um, who could figure it out on the fly. They know enough of the technical background of, of things to where they could add value. I would have brought more people in to plan the hackathon and subsequent gates of what we were trying to get through to have a better plan, excuse me, that was more executable uh, as we go across there. So I would have the pro dev support. I would have some of the citizen developers who were a little bit more trained uh, than just complete neophytes. I would still bring in a bunch of neophytes who have just an interest in making it work because that's who you really wanna get in there because they're gonna help you fix it, break it, fix it again. Um, and really give you good insights that you weren't thinking about because as you go through the process, they're going to say, wouldn't it be great if it did this instead of this because this makes more sense. A guy like me who doesn't play in that space wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. I'm like, 
sure, sounds great. Can we do that? Absolutely. It's an out-of-the-box functionality. Or you go, the, uh, the technical people who understand ServiceNow can go, hmm, that's probably a little bit too hard. You know, good idea. Let's add that to a later thing. So I wouldn't make my schedule as hard and fast coming through the hackathon. I would have a rough beyond hackathon. But see what you learn in the hackathon as you start building your development teams. And I would have more people kind of help show, shape that out and make sure that the beta comes out a little bit cleaner. We did it, had to do a lot of cleanup just because we just haven't had enough oversight of different groups as they split up the work. And it would have been better if we had some um, mission owners who had ServiceNow training embedded with each of those different teams as we split up the work. But for me, I we went with what we had. We tin cupped our way through it and um, pretty happy with, with what we could prove. And that was really the biggest part of it. And I'm just thankful. Uh, again, here comes another uh, chaplaincy pun. They had a lot of faith and patience with me uh, going through this evolution uh, because at the, at the end of it, they know they're going to get something. It may not be exactly in the timeline we want it because, again, I'm limited in what resources I had. Mm -hmm. um, we begged, borrowed, and uh, we didn't steal, but we appropriated uh, <laughs> things, that, um, things that helped us move along. Uh, and then I think we had another uh, – you talked about acquisition and yeah. – you know what I think is important, though, in that last note that you said, too, is um, it, it, you did it right. A lot of people, it's they try to they try to do the 100 percent, you know, they plan for the 100 percent solution. What you did was you went out and you executed and was it perfect? No. Was it pretty? No. But you learned and you, you did that iterative approach and you just you were willing to accept that there are going to be times where, hey, we're not going to totally have this figured out, but we're going to figure it out as we go. Maybe that's the aviator side of you, but that was really instrumental, I think, in pushing a lot of this along is just the willingness, you know, the willingness to fail and and learn and move forward and never look back and go, you know, yeah, we could have waited and we would have solved this differently, but we still wouldn't have been, we wouldn't have started the execution today, you know, had we been trying to just plan it all along. Um, so it's a big, big component to digital transformation is just taking that step and doing it. Yeah. And I, and I'll, I'll echo this from the vice chief, uh, with the NAPL implementation framework, he is very much into learning. He mm -hmm. understands you, he wants, he wants what your plan is. He comes in. And so this is really, you know, I, I've been amazed and, and my, all my foot reps are signed. I'm, I'm retiring. So I'm not, this isn't me sucking up to the boss. If he ever sees it, uh, the vice chief, but. I've seen him, and, and this is kind of reason I'm sharing this is this is top-down attitude of learning, patience, understanding that we're going to fail in certain aspects, but failure isn't failure is only fair if you don't learn from it. Right. You're gonna have things go wrong, things are gonna be what you thought they were gonna be, but you gotta figure out why. How could you have done it differently? And what are you doing to not repeat that problem going forward? And that's really to what an organization needs to be. It needs to be from the top down, as you said, support. I was willing to do this bottom up effort, uh, mostly because again, what, they couldn't do anything to me. And we promised the chaplains we were gonna help them. So I wanted to really follow through on that. Um, I, I wanted to, I hoped it was gonna prove out that we should be able to do more of this and get more groups who are disadvantaged with, they don't have technical know-how. They don't even know where to start. 
um, and start opening up ideation portals, get people to come in and queue up all that information to help me figure out from what's the value to the enterprise, what's the value of the organization, what's the cost benefit, uh, as you look through all the different ways of balancing out which projects to bring on next. That's where I wanted to go. Um, but ultimately, understanding in an agile sort of fashion, you're going to learn because you're going to run into things that didn't develop as you thought. For whatever reason, it didn't come to fruition as you thought it would. And you have learned from it and it's improved your product. But you do these in smaller fashions. You do these in sprints as you go through more, much more of an agile process rather than this monolithic 100%. A year later, you get this thing and it takes you two years to clean up the mess. You can do things as smaller sprints, fail early or, or learn early, I guess is probably the better way to say it. Learn early because when you used to fail, fail's got a bad connotation. You learn early, make those changes. So as you go forward, subsequent sprints are better until you start branching off into different areas. But if you're in a similar sort of vein of what you're trying to work on, future sprints become that much better as you go forward. Mm -hmm. so learning early, learning fast. Yeah. Final, final thoughts on before I go into any questions that are posted online. Um, are there any takeaways that you have? You're, you guys have transitioned this over to the innovation support services and Noel Schatz team. What are the things that you see on the horizon that other DOD agencies trying to execute the same sort of philosophy? What are the things that they'll need to consider to be able to sustain it for the long haul? You are, you're gonna need some programmatic know-how uh, okay. on your team. You're gonna need some people who are, people like me who have a passion, but aren't necessarily technical, but have a vision. So you need people who have an enterprise perspective, people who have your smaller kind of operational and people who have this very tactical perspective, all on your team who are doing this type of work. You need to have your visionary, your what if people, the people who, like me, who were, when I was a junior officer, running around, beating my head against the wall saying, man, wouldn't it be great if, um, to help be that, that vocal champion, who can also then help to translate to people who are outside that group, what the value is to them. So you kind of, you need a little bit of all that. Um, you do, you want some technical program managers. You need a technical director you know, or a TPM at that level as well to understand the technicals of it. You need the money people, you need the contracting people. So you need that, that you need to have that bureaucratic team until unless your organization is able to get around that, but you're still gonna need technical people. You're still gonna need that visionary, that communicator um, and go through that. That was one of the other things I would say is public affairs. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason we got some support for the chaplain corps is the public affairs piece won the day. We weren't yeah. great at it because, again, small team, me and, and, a, and another another dude or two um, trying to pull this all together and kind of tin cup our way through it. Had this, again, mostly to prove that you could be done. And, yeah. You know, to do this in a much more deliberate fashion in a sustainable way is just that. I think incubation space is, is a way to think about it, to bring people on projects. You fund them with your licenses that you buy at the enterprise level. You know, you buy enough to bring in people to incubation space. I think having space in most low-code applications. So you have ServiceNow, you have Salesforce, you have Power Platform, we have Appian. I think Peg is coming through now. Um, 
there's uh, the honey code, I think in Amazon, Google Sheets and, and Google, um, that just to make sure I hit all the big ones uh, <laughs> that are ATO'd. Uh, I think they're all ATO'd now. But looking for those systems and figuring out which one works best for what I'm doing. And then as you go through, you're gonna develop patterns or playbooks to figure out what works for different types of business units. Um, you know, and I say business units in a very generic way. Um, some people are more operationally focused. Some people are more business focused. Some people are acquisition focused. Whatever, whatever their role is, um, will depend on what you implement and what solution and how you do it. And then the best part is, is as you start doing more of them, you start being able to lift it, lift code, flip it over, and really shrinking down timeline for newer projects that come on. So you can say, hey, I can bring you on maybe next year, but I'll be able to get you through in 12 months instead of 24 months, which again, sounds long. When I say that, that's more of a programmatic teaching people how to maintain this themselves and to pay for it themselves as they come out the back end. Unless your enterprise is willing to bring people on and continue to buy licenses, which I think we should, but realizing that... Um, that is going to be a challenge that could overcome. That is, in my opinion, the best way to go if you're able to do that. Is yeah. We buy all the licenses we want. We figure out the value of the people we're bringing into these different platforms and we bring them along, incubate them, teach them how to maintain and govern their own stuff. And then we kick them out the other side and we occasionally check in on them. Mm. And you have a portfolio of people who, who are experts in certain areas as you grow your unit out. So you have someone has maybe oversight of several different programs um, in a certain environment or a certain platform. And then that way you have, you start building your team out so that people aren't lost. I'm not trying to make this a gigantic government oversight program. I'm just right. trying to say there needs to be a little bit of oversight and guidance because they're going to come in and it's going to be government purchased, whatever. So there has to be some form of government oversight, especially of if you're bringing in third party support contractors like ICF or, all the normal integrators, Deloitte, Bitmoose, Allen, whomever, um, to come in and do that kind of work. Yeah, and you need definitely uh, a contract that supports the flexibility. You know, we added line, ICF added line items for if additional surge capacity should happen and just giving some government flexibility to it because one of the longest poles in the 10 is the contracting actions associated with it all. Um, I'm going to go to a question here on the, so uh mauricio uh kuto i apologize if i'm butchering the last name asked did you build your apps using ServiceNow scoped application or purpose-built application csm itsm or using now platform capabilities uh general capabilities well i kicked that over to you alex what do we use yeah. <laughs> I will take that one. Um, so we did, we would, we built what's called for the Chaplain Corps, we built a scoped application. So it was not CSM or ITSM. We call those sort of our purpose built out of the box uh, applications. We use what's called App Engine to build a custom, custom application, kind of put the guardrails on what they wanted to accomplish allow the mobile uh, mobile ability of it and those types of things. So um, it was I mean, all we're leveraging is is now platform capabilities, nothing, uh, nothing unique. Just we put a wrapper on it of a specific application. We called it the RMAT. Yeah, you're welcome. And then the other question from uh, a Coast Guard uh, guest, Matt Stir. Is there a visual of the complete workflow that all stakeholders may see so that they may see one, 
where they are in the process, and two, is the workflow on track to meet the deadlines. Um, I will say we didn't use a workflow for that hackathon and sort of where we are in the project. However, with the modernization effort going over from uh, from Mo and the OpNav DTO into the innovation support services, one of the things that they're focused on is having that ingest point and then managing that effort through ServiceNow so that you will customers and stakeholders will be able to see uh, where they are in the process, what the process even looks like, assigning tasks back and forth, automating some of those things like Mo talked about, you know, some of the requirements. Hey, do we get training done? So these those are types of things that we can add into part of the workflow. And then how soon do we expect this to finish? You know, some of the agility side of it, it's hard to put necessarily a, a, a deadline on things, but you usually want to try and have an MVP by a certain point in time. And then the uh, the the sprints and stories that you're doing, uh, the, the sprints that you're doing to execute against that, you're trying to keep it in front of whatever that deadline is, but they tend to remain somewhat fluid. Um, so Matt, I hope that helps answer your question there. And I think that's it. Uh, Mo, as always, it was a pleasure to have you. I really appreciate this because you're leading from the front on something as as you as you depart the pattern, you're leaving the, the Navy in a better spot than it was before. Um, and your experiences, hopefully we can broaden the horizons of a lot of other DOD agencies that are doing this. So I really just thank you for thank you for putting yourself out there to make this happen. Thank you for being willing to share uh, your lessons learned, and uh, and we wish you all the best of luck as you transition out and you come to the other side of the fence, brother. It's a fun time, and um, and we'll uh, we'll definitely have to have a whiskey on the other side of things. So I really appreciate it, and uh, I thank you everybody for joining today, and thank you for the marketing team, Ashley and Holly, for putting this all together, and uh, we wish you all a great Friday and, and a wonderful weekend.